The Rise of Skywalker, the last of the Star Wars Skywalker saga on this week's Always Listening. Welcome to Always Listening, where your hosts, I'm Joel. I'm Jay, and if you really believe that was the last one, <laughs> you don't know Disney, do you? <laughs> so let's talk about that, because I've heard this I've heard this conversation ad nauseum. I think Disney's messaging on it was weird for general audiences. For people like you and I, we knew exactly what they meant in their this is the end, all so stories come to an end, etc., 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 uh, it is the end of the story of Anakin Skywalker, of Luke Skywalker, of of Leia in particular. I don't think we should expect to see Leia at all, other than animated form perhaps, until they reboot the whole darn franchise sometime in the distant future. Do you agree with that? If they ever reboot the thing, I will burn them down. I, I am a Sith I, Lord. I think, look, you can't... All things are all things are inevitable, right? So, uh, someday they'll remake The Godfather too, Jay. Like it's no. just it's going to happen. I no. don't I don't doubt at all that that at some point in the future they're going to do the Lion King CGI version of all of these movies over again. You know, I won't allow it. Uh, it's it's the live action Star Wars. But I'm saying until then, I think genuinely Han Solo is gone. I think. Uh, Leia or Han Solo is played by Harrison Ford is not going to appear again anymore. I think Leia Organa is gone from live action. I think Luke Skywalker is probably gone from live action. I don't I think, think so. we'll, we'll visit those characters in the comics, uh, and books, maybe animated series, but like people are talking about the fact with the Mandalorian that the way that that season ended, that maybe we'll see Luke in season two. I do not see them doing de-aged Mark Hamill. I just don't see it. Maybe. So uh, just to give you guys all a, a big perspective on, on this particular show, we've talked about doing the Star Wars show a few weeks ago. And I'm just going to tell you right now, in the in regards to how we normally conduct Always Listening, this is an example of how not to do a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. One, we always tell you know your audience. Joel, how much of our audience do we think is actually listening to this particular episode today? Well, I mean, look, you, uh, well, I say that. No, you're right. It's going to be a this small is, subset. This is, this is literally not just be a popular for us. episode. This is literally yeah, just for yeah. us. All right, we. But we, you and I both have thoughts about the show. Neither one of us has a great outlet to have an extended conversation about it elsewhere. Why not put it? Especially since it's the holiday. Like, like why right. not? Is my thought. Uh, two, you sh you should come prepared, which I have. I know Joel has, but we didn't prepare together. So no, I know I probably want to take this down one track. Joel's going to take it down another track, and we're going to go down both tracks because that's the way we are. We're not we're not well, just going to take one track and then maybe make our way back over like as a plan. We're going to go one way, and then we're going to go another way, and then we're going to go another way, and and we have a lot of thoughts. And ultimately, if you're a newbie to podcasting, this is what is called the conversational podcast. This is the one where yeah. two people sit down, 
with an idea. They're talking about one topic and they're going to go back and forth on it. And we're going to hit themes in these movies and in these shows and in the way that Star Wars has been told that I think can be related to podcasting. But ultimately, the reason why we're doing the show is because we love Star Wars and we wanted to talk about it and share those well, thoughts. The, the overarching thing that people can take away is is like uh, some business insights, some uh, some marketing insights, I think, and generally creative insights, things that that we as fans of this series and story for for so much of our lives, all of our lives, effectively, both um, ha- have been kind of focused in one direction or another on Star Wars. I mean, you literally, your public persona is based in and around these films. Yes. So like there's there's nobody I think that is that is more directly tied to this that doesn't have any monetary gain, right? You've never made a dime <laughs> no. on Star Wars. No. Uh, and yet you love it. You're you're there, you're sold out for it. So, but the first the pr- first point though, I do think that this is for Disney a disconnection point from George Lucas's story. George sure. Lucas will always be the creator of the universe. He's the founder of the feast. But his story is now, I think in their eyes, told. All of it. Well, I think his story was told all of it when they did The Force Awakens. Sure. So, I mean, I think in their eyes it was done then, but I do I get what you're saying there. I do believe though she ends the movie calling herself a Skywalker. The name of this movie is Rise of Skywalker. There will be more Skywalker stories to be told. Ray will probably be the central character in those particular stories. And because of that, her master, which I suppose they were trying to say was Leia, is really Luke. And Luke as a force ghost will show up to help guide her along her path, much as Yoda showed up to help guide young Luke. Um, there are so many different things to get into with, with this. Let's, let's go back to just talking about this so, particular so, movie. Well, I was going to say, let's, let's, so that's what you and I both think about how, how this has ended. Now, what do we mean when, when it's not ended? It's not ended at all. Star Wars isn't stopping. First and foremost, there is currently new Star Wars that you can go see on your TV with Disney Plus and The Mandalorian. There will be more Star Wars coming. Season two of The Mandalorian will be out next fall. Oh, my God, I can't But wait. then also, there is a Cassian Andor series with one of the main characters from Rogue One. That's going to come soon because it's been in production for a long time. I would expect that sometime in 2020. And then the Obi-Wan series likely in 2021, I'm guessing, because I don't think it's begun production yet. But an Obi-Wan series is coming. And then there are rumors of like five or six more that they are in some level of teasing out and seeing whether there's any idea there are different creatives or pitching, I think. You know, things like a Darth Maul series, things like a Dr. Aphra series, which is like... Uh, an evil sidekick to to Darth Vader. A Darth Vader series has been discussed about how do we find an angle on the early parts of Darth Vader. So, I think lots of those characters that we how do you find love, a voiceover of, artist, by the way, for Darth Vader too? Because well, James Earl so, Jones is getting up there. That's that's the real question: is how do you replace James Earl Jones? Because if you've watched any of Rebels or if you saw Rogue One and his feature in Rogue One the voice is significantly different now Mm. than it was during the original trilogy. And 
it shows it you can hear it and he does not sound like a man in his prime which is supposed to be the voice you know there anyway it's it's incongruent to me and i kind of hope that they figure a way around that somehow i don't know what the answer is there maybe you you pay the estate of james earl jones in perpetuity some amount of money and you license it and and you know vocoder it like uh um you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe you can synthesize it in some fashion. I don't know. You've got a lot of recordings of the dude is all I'm saying. And it is already robotic. You've got an excuse to make it a little bit imperfect. But what we're going to get other than that, though, Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, has already said there is a new Star Wars film on the schedule for 2022. What is that film about? We don't know. The rumors are that we're going to get an announcement on that and probably a director this month sometime, late this month. But the the future is wide open for star wars it's just going to be an entirely new chapter and that's and that's great and and i love new stories and i want more new stories what i one of the things i came away with after i saw the rise of skywalker first we're going all over the place walking into rise of skywalker we both said that our expectations were muted like we wanted to have high expectations for the movie, but based on our experience with the Last Jedi, which spoiler alert, I think is the worst of them all. So and I and I really liked it, but I also understood that th- th- basically everything I'd heard about this film was going to be a reaction, a, a course correction, quote unquote, because the fan base a lot of them didn't like the Last Jedi. So I went in going, well, the things that I liked. They're going to poo-poo on. And you were like, well, the last time I didn't like any of it so or most of it, you know? So, like, we both went in with these muted expectations. Yes. And, but for different reasons. And, and while there were a lot of things, a lot of, I don't necessarily want to call them minor because some of them weren't exactly minor, but there were a lot of things that were wrong and done very poorly in this movie, in The Rise of Skywalker, as a movie, as a piece of storytelling. But I came away satisfied. At the end, mm. I enjoyed my journey and was satisfied, was almost disappointed there wasn't more. And quite honestly, <laughs> uh, two things that I felt after the movie is one is it was clear that they wanted to do the Harry Potter split this in the split the finale into two movies because there was way too much story to be told. But they the way that they've made movies, they couldn't do that. They couldn't have Rise of Skywalker Part 1 and Rise of Skywalker Part 2. The other thing was, wasn't so much the course correction, but it was, I don't want to see an Obi-Wan story, quite honestly. Like, I'm good with with Obi-Wan's story. Like, I don't, if that's the next thing that I'm going to see is Obi-Wan, I don't want to really see it. And, And even to, like, the Cassian Andor story, like, okay, I mean, yeah, he's kind of cool, but they've always, 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 no matter how hard they try, every storyteller has always struggled with figuring out the timeline of doing a prequel to build up to a story that has already been told. And it just doesn't, it's never really worked. I haven't found any story that has been able to pull that off and has had it work. Well, the thing that makes me worry about that one in particular is the fact that when we meet Cassian in Rogue One, he's not a likable character. He's he's uh, an anti-hero to a degree that makes us borderline is this guy even count, does he even count as a good guy? How do you make a whole series where 
that's maybe where he starts in the series, you know? I mean, I don't know. But, but here's the thing. I have a supreme faith in the story group, honestly. And what they've done with The Mandalorian shows me that people who know and love and respect Star Wars for many of the same reasons that you and I know and love and respect Star Wars are currently in charge of making Star Wars. And I'm like, good. I'm down with that. Like Deborah Chow had did two episodes of the Mandalorian. She's going to be in charge of the entire season of Obi-Wan series. Her episodes of the Mandalorian are two of the best, I think, in my opinion. So like, I, I think she clearly gets these characters in this universe. And, and here's the other thing that the Obi-Wan series in particular excites me about. I want, you just kind of hinted at it. You don't want to see the same things again. I want different flavors. The beauty of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the reason why it has been so successful, more successful on screen now than Star Wars, more successful than Harry Potter, more successful than uh, the James Bond series, even though you know that one's got so many films too, 26 films or whatever. The reason why is because every film is truthfully different mm. and yet connected. And Star Wars has thus far been all of a piece. Part of it is John Williams. And that, look, there are scenes in this film in particular where the John Williams score saves it, where the emotions would not play for me, but the music hits me in a place where I'm reptilian in some way and I respond, <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, he tickles parts of me that are are physical. I mean, they are they are instinctual. They are... Like they're in my DNA. I you see it in my kids' brains too, right? It's something that we've passed on. Anyway, we're not gonna get that anymore. And I think that's good in some ways, because what we're gonna get is new tries and new takes in this universe that we love. The reason why, Jay, people were so invested in the extended universe of Star Wars before Disney bought it. All the books and comics and games that had come out and expanded the universe out. And they were so mad when Disney wiped all that away. The reason why people were so invested in that is that there was literally something for everyone. Mm -hmm. the, the films can only be so much. The films are finite because we're only going to get one every year or every couple of years, depending upon how Disney ramps this thing up over time. Even with the TV series, the TV series can't be everything for everyone. But what can now happen, because we're going to get one-off movies, because we're going to get trilogies in different eras, because we're going to get these TV series, more comic books, more books, etc., all connected and all canon everyone can find themselves and the stories that they want within the star Wars universe. Now you don't have to just imagine it or play it out with your action figures or in a video game. You can just go watch it, go read it by a high quality professional storyteller and his or her team. And man, I am here for that, buddy. The fact that what you and I love about Star Wars together and what you and I love about Star Wars that's different, we can both be served now on a regular basis with the actual stuff, not off-brand stuff that, you know, Del Rey Books is in charge of or whatever. I mean, I'm not... I'm, look, I'm not slagging it because I read a lot of Extended Universe stuff and some of it I love. Some of it I love yeah. as much as the movies. But there's much of it that's also drivel and nonsense. And even the books that I love and even the comics that I love, a bunch of the crap in the middle is filler, right? Like, and it's, it's because it's, it's, it wasn't the A team. It was the B team or the C team. Now, 
everything comes from the A-team. Everything's controlled by the A-team, but we're going to get more of it. So whatever you like about Star Wars, you're going to get it. And I'm like... I think whoever you are, however you felt about the last few movies, it's time to get excited. Uh, ben and Jaina, though, as twins, you know, born from Han Solo and Princess Leia, is so much better than, uh, you know, Ben and... And f- actually, it wasn't even Ben, right? Uh, no, he was Ben. He was Ben Solo. Was it? No. Oh, the, in the original no, series, in, no, in the original in the series, it was universe, Jason and Jaina. There we go. It was Jason and Jaina. Yeah, but, because quite honestly... What the hell does Ben have to do with Princess Leia? He spent the most time with Luke. Princess Leia didn't spend a lot of time with Ben. Maybe Han Solo? Maybe you could give a little bit of credence to Han hanging out with Kenobi a little bit, but it's really Luke's deal, not not Leia's. I strongly agree with you. If anything, that kid's name should have been Anakin. Right. Maybe. Like, that would have made sense. And then it would have played even more strongly into his Darth Vader fetish. Yeah. Right? Like, if that's the way you were going with him, why not name him Anakin? But anyway, I that's, 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 look, that, those were mistakes that JJ and, and his team made 10 years ago now, well, almost. Well, to bring it. And then had to deal with. We'll bring it to this recent movie. Anakin had no problem talking with Ray. Why in the world when Ben is reaching out to Anakin, does he not show up and be like, yo, dude, I figured this out a long time ago. Wake up. Like the dark side ain't for you, dude. Uh, So that, that, well, and at least they didn't. So here's one thing. I know a lot of people were hoping for or even wanting. And even I thought in the moment, the first time I saw it, especially, I was like, I kind of would have liked to have seen the Force ghosts stand behind Ray, or maybe even pick her up, mm. you know, like lit- physically help her stand, and then she faced the Emperor down as they faded behind her or something, or or faded into her. I have a theory on this. However, here's the thing: so far, the rule in the universe is you can't see a Force ghost that you didn't know in life, right? Nobody has appeared to anyone physically well, that they didn't know. Well, Joel, I'm glad you brought that up. My theory is that all Force ghosts are just memories, just like Han Solo appears to Ben and is just a memory that Ben is having. He's having a conversation with a memory of his father. And so I it's, think it's the Force in your subconscious working it out in a physicality. So I believe the Force, yeah, so I believe the Force ghosts are literally just memories, which does make it a little odd that all those voices speak at the end, but then somebody brought up another interesting point. One of the voices we hear speak to Ray uh, as she's trying to power herself back up is Ahsoka. Last time we have seen Ahsoka is in Rebels. She is on a mission with Sabine, which, by the way, will bring us to the Mandalorian as well. Uh, yes, she's yes. on a mission with Sabine to go find Ezra, who has disappeared with these force whales at the end of... Uh, Return of the Jedi. That's where that particular storyline is taking place. So, so, so you if Ahsoka, said Force Wheels, which everybody, people who are listening to this that haven't watched the animated series, go, "What now?" But you should also say, "Who? Why did he go into the into the unknown regions? He zapped himself away. He took Grand Admiral Thrawn. Right, uh, Admiral Thrawn. He zapped him into the unknown regions to save the galaxy from that menace. So, in theory." In live action soon, or in an animated series if they wanted to go there too, we could get a return of a now pretty powerful Jedi and Ezra Bridger, uh, a very powerful Jedi in the form of Ahsoka Tana, a very powerful Mandalorian who has in the past wielded the Darksaber, which we'll talk about <laughs> in a minute, uh, in uh, um, Sabine Wren, and 
this huge baddie from the original extended universe in Admiral Thrawn, which, man, that's pretty exciting. And by the way, the coda, that coda of Rebels, the cartoon series, so the main Rebels series takes place right before A New Hope. But the last uh, uh, episode, that or the very end of the last episode, actually takes place after Return of the Jedi. So that is literally like three or four or five years maybe before the events of The Mandalorian. So that's how all of this could theoretically tie together. And that's what I'm talking about when I say these stories could go in every which direction, man. But tell all of them. But Ahsoka showing up as as a voice to Rey means Ahsoka's dead, which is very disappointing. So it should. However, however, so it, I, yes, I don't, I don't buy any good argument for her not being dead in that moment, except that Dave Filoni tweeted a little doodle that he made of Ahsoka Tana standing next to Gandalf and him saying to her, everyone thought I was dead one time too. <laughs> and of course, Gandalf not, so he fights the Balrog and disappears at the at the begin at the end of uh, uh, the first book of Lord of the Rings, and at the end of or whatever the sometime later he shows <laughs> right. back up as Gandalf the White. He's an even more powerful version of himself. Um, the other thing is, if you've seen the Rebels series, Ahsoka Tana spent at least right. some time in the world between worlds. Right. So my the thought is, paths. she could literally right. be yelling through the barrier in that world between worlds at Ray in that moment. At any moment in time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I mean, now that she knows how to unlock Solid it, theoretically, point. she she could have gotten in there again. Um, especially since they're in the I mean, they're in the unknown regions, they could be doing anything. However, at that moment in time, if you do the math, she would have been like seventy five. So it's also possible that she's just been killed by that point. And she could still we've still got like thirty years or forty years worth of adventures that we could tell from her that haven't that we don't know about yet i will let's let's talk a little bit about the mandalorian i'm very excited that i i told you early on in our first review of the mandalorian about how baby yoda was probably sith and because he was showing off sith powers and lo and behold sith powers show up in ray and it's because she's the granddaughter of the ultimate sith lord i just i was like yes confirmation we haven't seen him throw lightning yet. I He's really going to. thought <laughs> I thought he was I really going to. thought we were going to I thought he was going to throw lightning in this last episode. That's I thought that was going to be one of the Deus Ex Machina and in the fi- in the finale we were going to see him they were going to push even more in that direction. I will say that the only person we've seen on screen ever force heal is your right Ray who is a Palpatine and therefore theoretically that could be a Sith power. However, Ray is never shown as giving in to her dark side. And in the old extended universe, force healing was everywhere, man. Like, and, and Jedi did it a lot. It was a thing that a lot of Jedi specialized in even. So I don't, I don't think that's necessary. I will say this. I think they are playing with the fact that that is ambiguous for us. Hmm. And I think they are very much, well, is he for good or is he for ill? You know, um, I, I'm excited about the idea there that we might eventually get a Yoda Mandalorian. Like, yes, <laughs> it is entirely possible that as he ages, they never find any Jedi to leave him with. 
and and he is raised as a Mandalorian and ends up being a little force uh, powered badass in armor. Like, <laughs> how do you mold the Beskar over the yeah, years? Yeah, I know. Though, the That's a good that question. <laughs> what do you do with those years in that helmet? That, oh my how, is, how how will that work out? But yes, yes, I'm super excited about that because the Mandalorian is essentially his father. That's what he is told That's in the finale. How they paint it. And it's like. Oh yes, please give me I mean that excitement we had when when in Revenge of the Sith or not re- it was uh, before that in uh, Attack of the Clones when Yoda finally like pops out the lightsaber and he's like all right Dooku let's let's throw it and he just starts flipping around jumping around like you know he's the most athletic being on the face uh, in the all of the galaxy it was amazing Super exciting, and we're going to get that moment again with Baby Yoda, which I'm super here for. I cannot wait to get that that moment when Baby Yoda does something that we are all kind of hoping he does, but don't really expect that he's going to do. Because, I mean, we all knew. I mean, Yoda's a Jedi. He had to have had lightsaber training at some point. You know, so we knew that Yoda was going to do it. We just didn't know we were going to see it, and we certainly didn't know we were going to see it at that moment. Well, I I remember uh, theorizing before the prequels ever came out when I was a kid that the Emperor and Yoda were examples of what happens when you achieve true master status, which is that you you're beyond a lightsaber. You don't a lightsaber would be like a a kitty tool for you, you know, Um, and so. Uh, I, I thought maybe we wouldn't see them with lightsabers, actually, because instead we would see them with this just tremendous force power duel, which in both those cases, Yoda with Dooku and then Yoda with with Sidious, we got exactly that. We got a force duel first, and then they were like, all right, let's settle it with blades, um, which I thought was kind of cool, too. And it, it, here's all right. Let's go back, though, for a minute. Because you said earlier, and I agree, I've got some some nits to pick of my own. Largely, though, we've we've said good things about the the film so far. What didn't you like? What were some of the Leia. big failures for you? I mean, Leia. I mean, honestly, I I it's clear, it's understandable why they had to tell the story of Leia the way that they did. It just came off so poorly, like having to write around stuff that had hit the floor in the first place. Um, footage that they had of Carrie Fisher before her death. It just it didn't didn't come off as believable it wasn't it wasn't working for me too many scenes we had already seen before like the hug the embrace with ray at the beginning of rise of skywalker is literally the same embrace they have at the end of force awakens it's literally the same scene just they somehow have put a different location in the background it's just it was i mean I wish they could have found a way, a better way to tell Leia's story than the way that they chose. I understood why they chose that way, and it it all made perfect sense. It was just wasn't well done. It wasn't done well enough. So I think, you know, generations from now, well, like even my kids, because they don't exactly think about the fact that Carrie Fisher died, right? Or that she, or when she died, et cetera, et cetera. They don't have that connection to her in the way that I do, but definitely like my little girls, they're six now when they start watching these films, you know, in the next, or they've already started watching them, but then when they're watching them seriously over the next few years and they're absorbing them in, I don't think they'll see those hiccups like you and I do. However, 
I'll never be able to see this trilogy really without thinking, boy, if she would have either not died, obviously, which is what we would have preferred, or if she would have died six months earlier, Mm. if she would have died six months earlier, they would have had to have rejigger the last Jedi and likely the moment when Kylo starts to kill her and doesn't. That would have been she just what they and, and that would have been uh, it. And quite honestly, that here's the, scene here's the that's other thing. one of the worst scenes. To, oh, I can't. Oh, I hate that scene. It's too. not great. It's no. I know. I know you don't. I don't love the way that they played it. I don't mind her pulling a Superman with the Force. I really don't. I think I think it's great that we finally saw her use her Force powers in some way because we knew that she had been trained by Luke. We just it was never enumerated in any fashion. And here's the other thing. I love the way that they did it in that. She was fully trained, and she chose, for personal reasons, for her family to put it away and to stick with the diplomacy and the the governmental political nature that she's always been so good at. I think that's a great story. I just wish they would have had her to tell it. Or, honestly, Jay, I don't hate the CGI. Like, you could have done more... And it wouldn't have had to have been a lot. You don't need 15 minutes of her in this film nope. to finish telling that story, the one that they wanted to, but they didn't have the footage for. So, like, it, you're right. It was very ham-fisted. And, and if you are intimate with these characters and these actors like you and I are, the seams show too much for it to be as affecting as they wanted it to be. Um yeah, it's just, it's sad that it played out that way. So, and man, we just crossed, by the way, I think three years now that she's been gone. And it, it, it hit me again this year. It's, what a tremendous loss. I mean, a loss to her family and friends, obviously. And I don't want to diminish that at all. But she had good work left in her. Here's another thing, too, Jay. The scripts would have been better right. for The Last Jedi and for this one, I think, if if she would have been around the whole time. We know that she she polished and, and worked on dialogue a lot on all of these films that she was a part of. That was literally her day job. And um, yeah, anyway, we, we miss her. We miss her a lot in these films. You, so that's the biggest nitpick for you. What else hits you wrong? I mean, there were there were other things. There's the scene in the desert where Rey is using her force powers to pull the the cargo ship back to the planet and then Kylo joins in and he's pulling at it too. And they're having this fight and the proportions are so out of whack of where this particular ship is in regards to the atmosphere in regards to the two characters on, on the ground. Not only is the proportions out of whack and the angle of the ship is wrong, but even the use of your Jedi or Sith powers to do something like this is nothing we've ever seen before. Sure, we've seen Yoda lift a lift a, a ship out of the swamp, but to take a ship that's at full takeoff, right? It's about to exit a planet's atmosphere, so it's at its full thrust to get out of the planet's atmosphere, and yet somebody's able to use their force power. We, we, that's beyond ridiculous. I like the fact that she's so into it and she gets so extreme about it and she gets so angry that Kylo is sitting here fighting with it that it switches it to to lightning and she blows up the ship. I like that aspect of it, but it's like man, that comes kind of out of nowhere and I really didn't like the way that it's executed and to further the force lightning idea we literally see the Empire get all his powers back and use force lightning to take out an entire fleet of ships 
And then he just casually turns the lightning onto a human being with a lightsaber. And she's just standing there like, not even breaking a sweat, dude. This is nothing. Like, wait a second. (laughs) Another podcast that I, that I listened to uh, about this movie in particular said that this film would have done much better in their mind if they had had a little bar at the bottom right hand corner that showed the mana for each of the wizards and it went up and down either when they used their powers or they had a rest of some sort uh so so like there okay you can you can make that make sense in your mind if you say okay so he draws the power from ray and from kylo and he heals himself completely and he's at his peak and he uses it to stop the battle. And then she distracts him. And he's now not at his peak anymore because he expended so much energy on the on the fleet that when he turns it on her, she's able to hold it because, again, she's got the backing of all the Jedi at this point. So she's supercharged and he's a little depleted. So she's able to hold it with the lightsaber, but just barely until she puts the second lightsaber up there. Here's, here's my thing. <laughs> like... Uh, whatever like suspension of disbelief all of this stuff is about flying space wizards so we can't be we can't worry too much about the physics i didn't mind about trying to uh, to catch the ship like that because i also think it was clear if she hadn't overreacted she never would have been able to actually pull it down right she was struggling even before kylo got there and then with kylo's pushing it away she wouldn't have been able to maintain unless she zapped it the problem I had with that, and and the other thing, we have seen it once, not in canon anymore, but in the video game, um, the Force Unleashed. That guy pulls a star destroyer down into the onto a planet, like with his with the Force okay. at the end of it. That's like one of the big final battles or something. Um, and that guy wasn't even a Palpatine, but so. But the thing is, here's my problem with that entire scene. I liked what they were trying to do, uh, make Ray question her own abilities and her own nature, which she hadn't really done the rest of the movie. She did some of that in the last Jedi as she and Luke talked about her power and the uncontrollable nature of it, et cetera, et cetera. She knows she's got this connection to, to Kylo. And is that going to make her turn bad eventually? So that's in the background, but that had all been very backgrounded for the first hour and a half of the film, basically. And then here, finally, she's really confronted with her, ability to be dark or or an agent for evil. However, they immediately, like not 30 seconds after it happens, they show the audience that Chewie's not dead. And less than 10 minutes later, they tell all the characters that Chewie's not dead. That (sighs) I don't want Chewie to die. Like Chewie is a great example of something from the original series that can and should continue. We know that Wookiees live hundreds of years, uh, it doesn't matter what who the actor is. I mean, it matters. Obviously, we miss Peter Mayhew, but Peter's been replaced now, and it's okay. The guy that plays him now does a great job of mimicking Peter's movements and sounds, and and I think they've you know well transitioned that character. Just like the droids, the droids should continue when when right. uh, Anthony Daniels is ready to retire. C three PO should not retire. That character should continue on. However. Don't ever put him in the ship then. Like, don't find somebody else in the right. cast that you can put at peril and actually kill them. Or maybe just make it about the dagger. I don't know. It still would have been affecting because we've never seen lightning come out of a good person. 
right? Right. Right. By the way, so so speaking that, of that, <laughs> it didn't have to be chewy. Speaking of that, don't dagger. cheat. How, how don't did cheat. These, why did these Sith player? How, why did these Sith? You know, these ancient Sith people create a dagger that shows you the location of a holocron in a wrecked Death Star. <laughs> like, so that means they By the way, couldn't uh, have created it until after Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, like, but wait. also. The Death Star, the, the wreck of that Death Star is in the water. Are you telling me that it's never going to shift? Yeah, that's another good point. Right? <laughs> yeah, so, but I mean, like, yeah, the, you're you're talking about a Death Star that's on a on a planet that's in the water. Like, it's never going to move. It's the Goonies, right? That's also the other thing. It's literally the thing from the Goonies, how they found the ship or whatever and mm-hmm. the treasure. Like, they held up the thing and looked through it on the island. Oh, it's so stupid. That was that was a big. Almost all of the fetch quests I felt like were were stupid and rushed. I will say, Jay, the other thing that we haven't talked about as far as like behind the scenes issues, JJ had a limited time to produce this film because it was originally going to be Colin Trevorrow. Right. He's come out now and said Palpatine was not part of his story. So who knows what JJ started with? Right. I've also heard rumors, by the way, I don't know how true this is. I've heard reporting that the first thing that JJ did was basically take his his notes and go have a long conversation with George Lucas and the two of them like wrote the outline for how to finish this thing but I don't buy that cuz George has made it clear that he hates everything they've done so far right. so why would he why would he I mean this this negates some of the things that happened in Last Jedi. It has several catty direct comments to things that happened in Last Jedi, but it actually doesn't subvert that much of the story from Last Jedi. I mean, for Skype, I mean, I, I like, I don't under. He extended it. That, that, that so so annoying that it took Snoke. Snoke said. I was the reason why you two were able to talk to each other. And yet they're able to, t- not only are they able to talk to each other, they can pass stuff through and interact with each other through yeah. force Skype. Now it's like, what? Uh, so I'm, I'm okay with that in retrospect because I do, it is very Palpatine to lie about what he's responsible for and sure. what he's not responsible for. So if we assume the voice of Snoke was really the voice of Palpatine, if he found out they were force Skyping, he would have been like, that was my power, not yours. And then he would have been busy reading ancient Sith texts to figure out what it was about. However, here's the downside of that. You're telling me that Snoke knows that about them in The Last Jedi, and right. therefore Palpatine would have known it too. Yeah. And in between then and now, Palpatine hasn't Forgot. figured out that they're a force dyad. Or or has forgotten that they were able to yeah, do that. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Maybe he's had to clone himself uh, again, and they, the memories didn't download, like, C-3PO or something. Um, see, also interesting, when you bring up the expanded universe, the the setup that Palpatine is in is from oh, the comic books. It's straight yes, from the comic books. it's straight out of Dark Empire. Dark yeah. Empire was, there were like, there was a trilogy of series of, of stories where Palpatine came back and cloned bodies. Uh, and j- I think it's similar to what is happening here because I don't think that's the original Palpatine because he says, I've died before. Right. However, he's clearly disintegrating and wounded and ill and not, he's not even functioning. He has to literally be carried around on that on that machine. So like, What's happening? And in the comic, the explanation was that his dark side energy was not well contained even within within his original human form, but no other human form, no cloned body could contain the energy that he had. And so as soon as he would 
possess it, the body would begin to degrade. And so faster and faster, uh, he would have to create replacements for himself. Now, if you explained any of that in the film, then his plan to sacrifice himself and pass on to Ray would make perfect sense. Sure. But they don't. Or to pit Ray and Kylo against each other to see who is the rightful successor. Or then finally in the last moment to go, wait a minute, I can suck both these idiots dry and I can just live again. All of that would have made sense if you would have explained what you and I are retconning in our minds. And maybe they're going to do that in comics. My guess like, is that's exactly what's going to happen. That's not a movie. But yeah, we're that's not, not going to go back. I, I don't read the comics now, so I'm not going to go back and read comics. It, what really sucks is I've, I have since discovered some other things about the story that weren't explained in the movie that apparently have been explained in like the visual dictionary and... Yeah, there's like a visual encyclopedia that came out right like a week before the movie, and it makes clear a bunch of different points, apparently. You you can go on YouTube and find all of these things, but like, who are those people in the stands? The encyclopedia explains it. Where do all the ships come from? The encyclopedia explains it. How did they get all of those crews? The encyclopedia explains it. (laughs) So it's just sort of like, yeah, that's cool. Ain't gonna happen. Like... I needed all of that in the movie. Like, I mean, they, is, I mean, they do a quick flashback of of Luke training Leia. Yeah. You could have done more of that instead of. By the way, how much of the Mandalorian were you thinking of watching the movie? It's like we've got a problem. Go to this planet. Solve it. Got a problem. Go to this planet. Solve it. Go to this. It was like the yeah. It was the Mandalorianization of the yeah uh, of their quest to go find you know, the emperor in the unknown regions. And again, if there's those many people in the unknown regions that are all part of the first order of some sort, and they found their way to the known regions, you're going to tell me the only way to find your way through is through these Sith holocrons, which are ancient. They've been in existence for billions of years. Come on. That ticked me off too. Why not just call them holocrons? Like, do you think Joe and Jane Q public know and and are actually connecting the word wayfinder? If you would have said, when we plug up this Sith holocron, it'll show us how to get there. That's all you had to say. And then, but, but no, they've now invented like a secondary device that j- looks just like the other thing that you and I know exists in the universe. Mm. That All of that, all of that ticked me off. Like, honestly, here's the thing. It is clear that, when JJ came back for this one, and I'm thinking now it was a lot of corporate overview too, and they said, "Oh, it seems like people are pissed off at that last thing we did. Let's do different this time." Um, and together, they effectively decided that they wanted to remake the Last Jedi and make the final film and shove them together into one movie. Like, and and it's not. It just doesn't work overall. It does. I mean, like I will say, you said in the beginning, like overall, you you feel satisfied. Right. I am, which is the weird magic of this thing. I guess is that there were enough beats and enough questions answered and enough finality on many of the things that I've been excited about so far that I am satisfied overall with all of the different moving parts in in what they've given us. Particularly since I know that now they are free they're unbound from from these like particular parameters of storytelling and we can go in so many different directions now i hope they do i mean the other the the other thing that that really disappointed me was we we bring lando in 
And of course, the first thing we thought of when we saw Finn was, is this Lando's kid? And no, the dictionary or the encyclopedia tells us, no, Finn isn't, but that the girl that Finn ran into that also happens to be force sensitive, she is Lando's kid. And and they and, and, so and they don't explain confirmed. that in the movie. But it's like, no, come on. Like, and, and Finn has this cute little moment where I got to tell you something. We're all led to believe it's, you know, I got to confess my crush to you. He never does. And we never find out exactly what he's going to say. And JJ apparently has said, oh, he was just going to tell her that he's force sensitive too. come on. No. Why, like, you, why hold that back? Like, why is that like a, a death declaration? You would have said it way. Oh, holy crap. What I've been feeling is the force, Ray. I think I think I might can do. I need to train with you. You know, I need to learn whether this is something that I have too. he just would have come out and said it. There's no. Why would he hide it from Poe? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And at there's all. clearly a connection <sighs> between Poe and Ray. Like they have that, you know, I hate you. I hate you. Oh, but you're actually kind of hot and we're going to get together. Like they got that whole dynamic going there and they should have explored it. They should have absolutely gone that way. So. See, I disagree with that because that's too close to the Han Leia dynamic, I think. And I don't want another parallel of that right away. The other thing is, I love the fact that Ray is honestly unaffiliated. Like, I know a lot of people are very divided in different ways about the kiss with Ben. I'm fine with it, particularly as it was like a dying thing. They are clearly connected there was a lot of chemistry emotional physical chemistry between the two of them clearly and also they were literally connected in the force now we we know they were some sort of force soulmates or something so for them in that moment where she's saved his life and he's saved hers etc etc like i'm fine with it i'm fine with it i'm not but i I don't get the whole incest thing why are we going down the incest road again it's with, not incest. It it's is not inc- incest. They're, they are technically cousins. They, they share the same. She is not relative. No, in she is Emperor not Palpatine. She. So they have they have come out and said the guy who wrote that comic where the panel it shows the like Palpatine hovering over the form of of, of Shmi mm-hmm. with the baby in her belly. He has said if the fans think that is us saying Palpatine is decidedly the father, they took that the wrong way. He says. That that was Anakin going down all the dark avenues in his own mind, but that was him deluding him. He, he the the writers of that comic have specifically said Palpatine is not was not responsible for the creation. I of believe Anakin. Kylo. Ren, so there's no connection. I believe there. Kylo Ren says or one of the characters says that Vader is the son of Palpatine in, in Rise of Skywalker. He, he no, he, no, the no, line no. is literally Vader, son of Palpatine father of luke and leia it it's it the line is in rise of skywalker to confirm with that comic mm. book so in any case yeah i didn't i didn't enjoy the the ben again if that was jason and jana they don't have to kiss but then you have that moment of brother and sister sharing brother and sister moment again don't kiss but he's redeemed himself saving his sister you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just it give it still gives you that same connection and meaning without them having to be lovers. I just yeah, you know, I'm sending you I'm sending you a link, and there is a link in the show notes to the article that I was talking about, where the the writer of that comic um, 
uh, lines it out. I'm pretty sure that line's not in Rise of Skywalker. If you if you know where it is, uh, somebody that's listening to this, please let me was. know. Um, and and I would love to maybe see a clip on YouTube of that or something if that's in there. I think I it can't was when that I missed it. I think it was when she's confronting Kylo. She's in Kylo's, you know, uh, little in his chamber, chamber right before they and then cut off and that the and that's when pedestal. she that's when we finally get the full on reveal. Yeah, that when he tells Palpatine. her that she's a Palpatine, right? Yeah. So yeah, in that scene, he says Vader, son of Palpatine. Mm. I think I think you're wrong, but anyway, read the read the article that I, now, that I uh, sent you a link now, to too. Now, but I, also, I can give you the out in that Vader is kind of the son of Palpatine, but Anakin Skywalker is not, right? So yeah, so yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Palpatine molded Anakin to go nuts and distrust all the Jedi and and be a spoiled little brat. And decide he's going to be selfish and try and save the love of his life using dark side powers. Yeah. And but regardless, regardless, let me go back to why I like the fact that Ray doesn't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend for that matter. I Jedi aren't supposed to. (laughs) I like the fact that uh, she is following in the steps of on screen at least Luke Skywalker and Obi Wan Kenobi, the good Jedi Knights that we know of have lived lives of austerity, they've lived simple lives, and they've lived lives largely removed from people. Now, both Obi-Wan and in the extended universe, right. uh, Luke had, I mean, Luke was married eventually to, to Mara Jade. He had children, et cetera, et cetera. And in the, we know in canon that Obi-Wan had relationships over his lifetime. He's had, you know, lovers even. However, he never had an extended committed relationship because he was committed to his faith, effectively his creed. Um, well, the queen like of Mandalore. Mandalorian in well, way. the queen of Mandalore was his love, and when she died, yeah, when she died, he, you know, he. Sort well, of, but in the comics, in the comics, he's had other girlfriends too. Like we've oh, met other, okay. like Obi Wan. Obi Wan's a ladies' man in in a lot of ways. Like, and he's not, and he doesn't deny himself that either. We've seen. It's just that. That's not the focus of his life, and he knows he can't commit fully to like a long-term relationship or actually a family. I think Luke was the same way. There's also implied the idea that we know the Force is a genetic passed-on trait, and that I feel there is, at least again implied, that both Obi-Wan and Luke feel like there's too much potential to chance a child, you know, like... Uh, it would be dangerous for my child to exist, even. So wow. let's not let's not do that. And I think that might be Ray's deal too. Um, but also, she's a young woman. She is literally, as far as we know, the most powerful Jedi in the galaxy at this point. Like she should have twenty years worth of adventures. I hope we get to see some of them on film, not just in comics. Right. Um, I don't know how Daisy Ridley feels about this universe. Do you? I know I in don't. particular Oscar Isaac is kind of done with it, I think. I he I specifically saw them ask if he would be interested in any Disney Plus extension of his character, and he said categorically no. He didn't want it. No. Which is interesting, because he did show up in Resistance, in the cartoon. Uh, yeah, and he did, he did, did voice the voice work in Resistance. For yeah. Resistance. Um, and I think he's going to show up again in, a, in an episode here real soon, because uh, mm-hmm. I was reading ahead on the previews of what's coming well, up and in they've Resistance. Used- 
they've used the character extensively in the comics. He's had a he's had lots of adventures in between the films and the comics, and he's got all sorts of side characters and and you know co stars and buddies and stuff that would make some great adventures. But I just I don't think the actor is interested. I don't know how Daisy Ridley feels about it. If she would want to dive right back in, or if it's more like if if her statement to Kathleen and Disney is like, why don't you let Ray cool for like ten years and then call me. Call me then. Let me go play and enjoy my life for a little while, and I'll get back in shape in about a decade. You know, <laughs> or or I'll just get out of shape like Leia did. Uh, sorry, that was cruel. <laughs> that was cruel. Well, she had she had some particularly rough years in between there, Jay. Um, there was a whole addiction problem and everything. Still, I, man. I, I mean, I was binge watching some of the uh, some of the older ones, and man, Return of the Jedi still holds up, man. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, lot. It, I saw the whole series. I saw the whole series again leading up to this film. And honestly, they've all grown in my estimation. Even even the prequels. There are many things about the prequels. And I think that has to do with the Clone Wars series because it filled in some of those gaps for me narratively. And so I, I fill them in now in my mind. But there's a lot to like about this entire series. I think that's true of this film, too. That's why you and I came out satisfied, even with all the nits that we've picked. And there are more left on the table that we could continue to poke at, I think. But even with all of that said, it is a pretty enjoyable two hours, you know? And it's it, there's a ton of characters that we love. Hey, here's a moment that made the whole damn thing worthwhile. Almost This is worth the price of admission all on its own. Uh, the storyline of having to reboot C-3PO and wipe his mind, and then the first thing that happens when he wakes up, he says his famous line, I am, uh, hello, I am C-3PO, human-cyborg relations, and uh, nice to meet you. And Baba Freak, who has been rebooting him, the little puppet character that's been wiping his brain, says, oh, hello, I'm Baba Freak. And that's all that happens in the scene. They move on to other things. And yet it pays off so beautifully in about 10 minutes when they go, we've got a message from such and such and Baba Freak. And C-3PO goes, Baba Freak, he's my oldest friend. Yes. (laughs) It is freaking amazing. It was so, like that joke alone. This is, I think, the single best use of C-3PO in the entire nine films. Oh, yeah. He is, they don't do too much buffoonery they don't do a lot of pratfalls they don't do the stuff like in attack of the clones where they you know they jam his head on a battle droid etc etc they use him just to write him out and i anthony daniels had to be super excited about this story well i mean there's lots of little things with c-3po too where you know uh Poe doesn't want to hold his hand in, in the friend circle. It's kind of funny. Uh, the fact that C-3PO says the exact same line as Poe says earlier, mm. right before his mind gets wiped. And it's funny how when you take the exact same line and you put it in a different context, how much more it hits. Like Poe says it means nothing. Just sort of like falls off your shoulders. It's, it's C- just exposition. C-3PO says it and... Man, you're just weighed down. You're just like, oh, that hits like a ton of bricks. Uh, that that was pretty impressive. The other, this is a this is one that I'm sure a lot of true like hardcore Star Wars fans probably hated. I actually loved is uh, Finn finds out about the droid, the new droid, which whatever about the new droid um, finds out about that. The new droid actually can take them to Exegol because he was on the Sith thing and he's running to go find Poe. Poe comes running. Cause he just found out he's the new general. And, and they have that moment where they're like, 
uh, Finn's like, dude, I gotta tell you something. No, I gotta tell you something. I just became, you know, Leia passed on the commandership and now I need your help and you're gonna be a general along with me. And he's like, I just found out about her droid and, by the way, thank you very much. <laughs> like, that's really I, awesome. That was so like, wonderful. He just like, the way he delivered the line was like, he was just like, I totally ignored everything that you said. Now I'm going to tell you what I got to say. Wait a second. You just, that is really awesome. Thank you very much. And then they go on and then, and then general, general, which is a total throwback to Fletch. Doctor, 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 doctor. <laughs> yes, exactly. I loved uh, it. Loved it. So one of the slights, especially from from people that generally feel like I do about these films, and and especially people that are politically minded like I am, um, you know, Oscar uh, had been Oscar Isaac had been playing this and had been very open about it. He had been playing it as if Poe and Finn had a burgeoning relationship, that there was romantic uh, entanglement there, perhaps or romantic possibilities at least. I like the idea, and I think it's clear in Oscar's performance. Oscar is a character, or, or I should say Poe Dameron, I think, is a character that is a lot like we now know in canon that Lando is. Lando <laughs> likes everybody, right? Lando does not cut out any possibilities for love. I think that Poe Dameron is probably like that as well. However, I actually, in the end, like the fact that they didn't make Poe and Finn a relation, a, a romantic relationship because it would have cut off what is now a very beautiful relationship over three films, which we don't see presented very often. M men that are um, affectionate towards one another, physically affectionate towards one another. Even Like you and I, when we, we don't see each other that often, but when we do, we hug. Brothers yeah. got a hug, man. Like there's nothing wrong with that, that they rush to each other, that they grab each other. They, they do finish each other's sentences. They do, they are better together than they are apart. Um, and they will make great generals, I think, together. And all of that is clear and played out in this film. And it would have been slightly shortchanged if, well, the only way that can happen is if they're gay, hmm. you know? Um, and I, so while I would have liked more LGBTQ representation in the films and even have liked to have seen those actors, uh, you know, wishes, uh, played out in the storylines, I understand how this in some ways gives us something different and, and just as good in a, in a different way. And again, something that we don't see in films, especially films like this, like, okay, here's an example, Rhodey and, um, and, and Tony Stark have a relationship that's every bit as close as Poe and Finn do, but they don't touch each other like no. that. Mm -mm. They do always default to the, well, I got to cut you down after I say the nice thing, or, you know, I got to poke you in the ribs to make sure that we know we're both still guys, buddy, buddy, you know, they, they right. slap each other on the back. They don't hug, you know? <laughs> um, and I think we see that relationship a lot, I don't think we see this relationship between Poe and Finn very much. And so I really loved that. I love your, that scene was in particular a great example of that. I love the chemistry that all three of the leads have all three of the leads fit very well. To, I mean, would you have ever imagined that the same franchise would find three people that fit together as well as Carrie and, and no, Mark man. and Harrison do, but they did. They found three more that are just as good together. You know, what the entire uh, saga has taught us is bad parenting really will screw things up in the universe. <laughs> I mean, none of these characters had good parents, right? I mean, Finn, well, Finn is kidnapped from his parents. And by the way, I do, I do think Finn will eventually find his lineage back to Lando. I, I can't. And, and 
you know, slap my hands for saying like the only black character only is black related to the only other space, black character. Yeah. <laughs> sure, you can do that, but I mean, quite honestly, I mean, th- there's been a lot made about Rose being completely written out of Rise of Skywalker, essentially, uh, yeah. being a non-essential character, and h- how her big moment in the Last Jedi, you know, with Finn specifically, yeah. and Finn doesn't have that same affection back in Rise of Skywalker at all. And yet it seems like yeah. he's got a connection working with this new woman that they found on Endor who also happened to be a stormtrooper kidnapped from her parents. And, oh, by the way, her entire clan were all Force-sensitive kids that were kidnapped at some... Like, no, I don't need I don't need Finn to have a connection with her other than their brother and sister. All right? Just make them brother and sister. Do not put Finn together with this particular woman. Or better yet, since Finn is Force-sensitive, make him a celibate Jedi too. I, you want, that's, the, that's the other thing. I don't, I don't want the new Jedi Order to be celibate. I just think it's, uh, you know, hey, it's like Paul in the Bible. It would be better if you were. It's not a law. You don't have to be. Just saying, like, just, you know, get him back together with Rose. Give her some more significance again. I don't know. But, again, this is all going to lead back to books. Now, one book that you and I have talked about before that is part of Expanded Universe is not officially recognized as canon. However, there is still nothing in that particular novel that goes against canon. And that's the story of Darth Plagueis, who is, city, uh, who is uh, you know, the Emperor's master, Sith master. And... I love that particular novel and it and m- not so much because it sets up everything like if you really want to understand this whole cloning business and life transfer and creating life and this all stems from Darth Plagueis and there's a little bit of it in uh, I believe it's in uh, Rise Revenge of the, of the Sith, Revenge of the Sith um, where he's at the opera and he's telling Anakin about the story of Darth Plagueis. This novel goes into that. A little bit more, but it also goes into how the Sith were able to manipulate the Senate to their doing so that they were able to create this whole faction and this whole war against each other. And I love that part of it. And now I kind of want to see, I, I read, um, uh, aftermath in aftermath, the aftermath trilogy that was written, uh, does sort of the same thing, sort of gives you a little insight in how the Senate is reformed and how they're going through the politics of, you know, building government for this world again. And the Mandalorian has touched on it a little bit, too, with there's just lawlessness now and there's chaos. And Warner Herzog is we all know what Warner Herzog's feelings are on chaos. Uh, but uh, all I see is deaths and chaos. I, I want to see. I, I want to see how they're going to do this now. Like, where's Poe's? You know, how is Poe? You know, he's the he's the general of the resistance. Is he going to be the next president? That's what happened with George Washington. Well, you know, is Poe going to be risen to a you know a place of political leadership? He's never had any political background. Leia did. Um, you know. Mon Mothma did. They both came from a Senate background or from politics. So it's an interesting an interesting plight that the uh that the uh, new galaxy has to face. Well, and it's isn't it interesting that and where this are the is huts? literally it's literally what happened with the original extended universe, right? Like so Return of the Jedi was over. The prequels were still a distant dream and George went 
ah, what the hell? With a little bit of oversight, why don't we let a bunch of writers loose on everything that happens after Return of Jedi? And they were like, awesome! And so they wrote literally a million books and, and comic books. Some of them connected. Some of them seemed to be more overseen than others. And now, here we are. We've got, theoretically... I mean, again, like, if Disney says to themselves, we're not going to make a movie with Dizzy, Daisy Ridley right away, and we're not going to make a movie with uh, John Boyega, and we're not going to make a movie with Oscar Isaac right away then you've got a decade worth of stories that you could go to comics and television and say, yeah, feel free, make a cartoon series about the reformation of the new Republic, you know, or, or whatever. Um, and that can be canon. Oh, dude, I'm so excited. And now they've got a, a economic engine that makes all of that storytelling make more sense than it ever right. has before. You know, the reason why LucasArts wasn't very um, interested in a whole lot of oversight for all of the extended universe once upon a time is because they didn't make much money on the books or even video <laughs> right. games or whatever, right? And and even when they did, okay, so that we were going to do Shadows of the Empire. The reason why Shadows of the Empire made sense is because they were planning for the re-release of the original trilogy and the prequels, and they were like, let's test the waters to see if people dig Star Wars when we promote it. And we'll make a game, and we'll make a book, we'll make a comic book, and we'll promote it a bunch and see if people go buy it. And it worked. And they were like, excellent. Let's re-release the films. Then we can make prequels, and here we are, we're off and running. But like now, anything that Disney makes, they can calculate out how much money it's going to make them this year, and next year, and five years from now, and 15 years from now. And they know exactly what the value is for their corporation, which means that they will invest. It's You saw it with The Mandalorian. They spent like $15 million an episode, I think, on The Mandalorian. It shows, too. That show looks great. It's a shame that Quill is dead, but that goes oh. to the point you had a major impact character who died. And, and you have to have that. I think if Game of Thrones has taught us anything, having surprising deaths to major characters makes a huge impact on your storytelling. So I think you have to have that. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a reason for the Mandalorian to return to Navarro or whichever it's the Dave Navarro planet, right? He's <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, the, at one point I was like, Oh my God, wait, isn't Navarro the same planet that uh, Lando was, you know, had stayed on. No, it's uh, the, the planet they were at was a different name, like Panama or something. I don't, I don't even remember. Oh, the, you're talking about the one with the, with Galactic the festival, Man? the, fe yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the big festival that Lando decided, ah, you know what, Luke? I'm just going to hang out on this planet for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm all done with this stuff. Well, that's that. Okay, that. There's another one of my nits. Like, why is Lando still here? Right. Like, I mean, how long ago was that? Because Luke's been gone a long time, right? Like yeah. years and years. Yeah. Yeah. Lando just been chilling in the yeah. desert. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Does he still it. own Bespin? I don't know. Yeah, as far as we know, we saw we saw Bespin at the end. By the way, yes, we did in the celebration sequence. Good point. Uh, I want to know how they could only break out two Ewoks uh, suits out of the the storage. Uh -huh. Why did we only get two Ewoks? Uh, well, one was supposedly Wicket. You know, Wicket. As it the was. Dad. It, there was actually mm. grown up Wicket there. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is. Um, I believe I read, I think it's in the aftermath or in, um, yeah, it's uh, the life credit or life debt uh, mm -hmm. where, where Han goes and helps Chewie actually free the Wookiees. Um, 
he runs into Lando again, and I believe Lando said that he sold Bespin. Um, mm. I believe that's written somewhere. Don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure. I've read a lot of stuff, and some of it's expanded universe stuff that doesn't even matter anymore, but I believe that's true. Anyway. Uh, let me make one recommendation to you and to any of the listeners that have stuck around to this point. If you yeah, are like us and you're interested in these stories and yet – you're also like, man, I am not going to go drop five bucks every month on a comic <laughs> or two to try to keep up with the story. And also, you got to remember when they come out. Like, what? It's every third Tuesday. I got to go to the store and buy a thing. Like, that's not, that's just not going to happen for me. Um, but, however, there are lots of great YouTube channels that do either immediate recaps of the individual episodes or they'll do like, collected runs where they take you through a whole storyline. For instance, I just watched a video the other day. It was almost it's almost like 2 hours long, I think. Holy man. Um but it went through the entire 25 episode or 25 issue run of the Charles Charles Soul Darth Vader series, mm. which is really really cool and includes like the building of his castle on Mustafar, and it it includes that scene that we've talked about earlier where he envisions uh, Shmi Skywalker with the baby in her belly and and Palpatine's figure sort of hovering over her. Um, very very cool series where you learn a lot about Vader's motivations and his relationship with Palpatine post Revenge of the Sith and how that changed between then and Return of the Jedi. Um, really really cool stuff. There is another series that I haven't done that same kind of video watch on yet, but there's another series that's set in between um, A New Hope and empire strikes back that focuses on vader and that one is canon which basically outlines his search for who the heck this pilot was that blew up the death star and and why he felt the force in him and and could it possibly be that palpatine's been lying and his child has actually survived etc 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 so all of that is is canon too that's where the dr afra character comes right. in actually i think so um there's a lot of that stuff out there, and if you don't want to read the individual episodes or issues, you can either go get collected uh, series at your library. That's a great way to do it, too, and just read them all in a big chunk like a graphic novel, or check them out on YouTube. Go, you know, YouTube, whatever, Star Wars, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of one. Of, if I, if I'll find a link for one of the channels that I like to watch, and I'll share it. There's like Star Wars Reading Club or something like that. Uh, that does these things. I really enjoy his videos. I will also recommend my uh, good buddy there, Dan Zier. Uh, he does the podcast Coffee with Kenobi. Uh, mm. He is a he's actually a uh, literature and uh, history teacher in uh, a Chicago suburb. He just had a big write up in the Chicago Tribune too, which is great. But he uses Star Wars to teach to teach these kids all about Greek mythology and. Uh, and all of that, uh, Egyptian mythology, uh, he uses the whole thing, uh, and it's pretty good. Uh, and the podcast sort of talks about the Star Wars series from that sort of learning perspective, a deeper perspective than just, uh, dude, dude with laser sword uh, against dude with lightning that comes out of his hands. Um, and they have a fight. Uh, he, he talks about it with much more deeper themes and, and connecting those themes in the Star Wars series, two themes that we have read in Shakespeare and in other works of art. 
Well, I mean, any, anybody that, that knows Star Wars long term knows the name Joseph Campbell, even if you've never read any of his works. It's one of the big influences on George Lucas. And I think the difference between Star Wars and basically any of the other, I mean, the only universe I can think of in, in modern literature that is as compelling and as rewarding long term is perhaps the Marvel cinematic or the Marvel universe uh, period. You know, those characters and the way they're interconnected is very compelling and draws us back in. I, I don't know what, where the magic came from there, but to me, the magic for Star Wars was that unlike subconsciously, which is how most storytellers do it, George Lucas purposefully used the mythic archetypes and that science of understanding all storytelling to create his story. He made the prototypical fairy tale, basically. And in so doing, he made one that holds within it just what we said in the beginning about like this new era now that Disney is going to open it up and we're going to see different stories. He made a universe that's big enough for all of us. We can we can imagine each one of ourselves in this universe somewhere, a little corner of the galaxy that's just for us and the kinds of stories that we want to hear and tell. And his movies left that in the margins. You know, that's the magic of those first three Star Wars films. Um, and and even when the more recent ones, the prequels and the sequel trilogy now, even when they have failed to live up to that, they still mirror it and echo it in a way that maintains the magic. Um, and I have faith that because of the people that are in control of this thing now, how much they are also in love with this, just like you and I are. And it shows in their own storytelling. I have faith that the next generation is going to be even better stories, honestly. I look at these movies. And so one of the popular things I've seen is people are ranking their their Star mm. Wars movies in order. And I've done the same, of course, because I'm a follower, not a leader. Uh, one of the things that does make me different is I have famously said on Twitter, uh, my brother-in-law said I committed Twitter suicide by doing it, that uh, A New Hope uh, was the worst of all the Star Wars movies. Now, in the proper context, uh, as a movie uh, on a whole, not talking about the story or anything to do with it, just as a movie, a standalone movie, uh, it doesn't hold up. It looks like a dated sci-fi movie. It's and, and and quite honestly, some of the performances are very stilted. The dialogue is not quite up to par. The special effects, like I said, feel extremely dated. Even when he, even when he went back to update the special effects, it still looks pretty poor. It doesn't hold up to me as a movie. Now, in terms of where I rank it, though. In, in the way that I look at these movies, it's number four for me. And that's not including uh, Rogue One and Solo in my particular rankings, because I don't consider them part of necessarily part of the saga. If I did, New Hope would fall to uh, six. But uh, my number one movie in, in this saga, of, and it's not just the number one movie of this saga, I believe it to be the best movie ever made, is The Empire Strikes Back. And, and I believe you and I had this conversation of this is literally the first movie where we as children see the bad guys win. Uh, and it's and, and quite honestly, even in other movies that we've seen since then where the bad guys win, they just don't have the same impact as Empire Strikes Back did. And even and But the thing that was great about the way they told that story is even though the bad guy won, there's still that sliver of hope 
at the very end. It's like, even though everything, everything that you just did went horribly, horribly wrong. You lost your hand. Your best friend is gone. He's been captured by the bad guys. And oh, by the way, they're only more powerful than they were before. You've literally done nothing to put a dent into their power. Uh, there's still that slight, small sliver of hope that you're still going to be able to come out on top, which is which I think is great. My number two movie out of the saga is The Force Awakens. I just think, and, and maybe that's, and, and maybe that's just, <clears throat> you know, the way well, that that movie brought together the generations. Um, the maybe it's just more of a, a sentimental ranking than than actual movie ranking but to me i think the force awakens took a lot of what was great about the original trilogy and even some of the prequels and put it into one movie and distilled it and 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 made and made a great movie out of that my number three is revenge of the sith i wouldn't be a sith lord if i didn't have revenge of the sith in my top three quite honestly to me and i and i mentioned it anakin skywalker is just a spoiled little brat Right? That's ultimately why he becomes Darth Vader when you boil it down to that. But I do think that the story of how he is manipulated to become Darth Vader and then ultimately does at the end of the movie, like a Frankenstein monster, become Darth Vader, I think is still a fairly compelling story of exactly how Vader became Vader. Uh, four, I mentioned, is a new hope. Five is where I put Rise of Skywalker. Um, again, we've mentioned the flaws for almost an hour and 15 minutes now. Uh, but I was satisfied with the way that it wrapped up the entire story. Uh, six is Return of the Jedi. I mean, the Ewoks are cute and all, but I mean, if, I, if I'm going to sit and nitpick Rise of Skywalker for some of their things, I mean, the Ewoks, man, <laughs> like they just don't, they just don't cut it. Uh Seven, I have Attack of the Clones. I think the prequels get a bad rap, quite honestly. And Revenge of the Sith, I have in my top three. And I have Clones and then Phantom Menace and then The Last Jedi as as the very last. Uh, But I think the prequels as a movie, again, when I look at A New Hope, I see a dated sci-fi movie. When I see Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, I actually see some pretty spectacular movie making in those two particular films. We can say whatever we want about the story. You know, Anakin's a a little brat. He doesn't get it. Um, You know, Obi-Wan. The story in in Darth Plagueis is so much better. If we had not had a Phantom Menace and instead had had, or, or, okay, name it the Phantom Menace and the movie is actually about Darth Plagueis and the rise of Palpatine. And then you skip forward 25 years to uh, Attack of the Clones, effectively, and you've got a teenage Anakin Sky. Like, you end that maybe with the birth of Anakin. Like, you visit Tatooine in the final mm. scene of the Darth Plagueis movie, you know, and Shmi Skywalker's given birth or whatever as a slave. But, like... There's just so many. There's so many bad choices in that film, and all of the things that slow the movie down, the the trade discussions and all of the you know galactic politics, they're better explained in the books. And in the books, they're compelling and dramatic and interesting. And you know, there's intrigue, and you're wondering how all of this is going to fall into place. None of that is in the film. None of that comes off in the movie at all. Because 
he's too busy trying to play up this story for kids, right? Yeah. He wants kids to get just as enraptured in this fairy tale, as you mentioned. And so the adult stuff, the, the, the politics stuff sort of gets forced in there a little bit, but it's really, you know, to me, Phantom Menace is a story all for the kids, right? You've got this little eight-year-old boy, six-year-old, however old he's supposed to be, who beats all these adult aliens at their, you know, gambling. Yeah, Mr. Magoo's his way through yeah. the entire film. Ugh. You know, through this through through this gambling thing. And then and then we're introduced to Padme, who's, you know, essentially his older sister. I, I, again, I don't understand how the aging process worked, <laughs> but it, somehow it did. Uh, maybe people on Naboo don't age all that, you know. Maybe they. Oh yeah, maybe that's they what age, we haven't. Maybe they age, they age slower, like Yoda. just like yeah. yeah. It's, 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 there's a little bit of a delay there. Um, when 19 years old, you reach look as good. You will not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so there's so there's that, but um, I think ultimately, like as a movie, it's still a pretty good looking movie, and and there's parts of the storyline, yes, but if you look at it as like it's a kids movie, and there's the Jar Jar Binks character, it totally plays up. For, for the kids and it brings in that generation into the the whole storyline and last jedi i believe it was it was either you and i or me and dan uh who had a conversation about if you just take the skywalker parts from that movie it might be the greatest story that has ever been told in this particular saga just take the luke skywalker parts ignore the the ridiculous space chase ignore the fact that somehow even though they can't outrun the the empire they can get a ship to outrun the empire and go to a different planet One. and then yeah. return for some strange reason uh ignore all of that particular aspect by the way you could have totally taken all of that part out of the movie and put it in this particular movie and it would have worked fine not the space chase but like i don't have a problem with canto bite per se. Right. I just have a problem with the way that we're how introduced that to Canto into, Bite. Right. Yeah. How, how does that fit into the rest of the narrative? You like, know, it literally was like, we don't have anything for, for Finn to do in this movie. We have to come up with a storyline for him. Yeah. Um, I, I will, I will, I do see how that happened. The thing with me is like, I'll defend Rose cause I like the actress and I like the character and, I know she got so much crap for the fact that people didn't like the way that she fit into that movie. So it bothers me overall. I, I guess I, the, the parts that you like are primarily the parts that I like about that film too, but they are so central to what I like about star Wars. Mm. The last Jedi is my second favorite movie in the whole saga. Oh. I have, so I put empire strikes back at the top. You and I agree on that. It is. And honestly, if you ask me my like five favorite films of all time, I, I can't say what is the best movie ever made. I just can't. But to me, my five favorite movies would be like The Godfather, The Big Lebowski, Rio Bravo, probably with, with John Wayne and Dean Martin, and Empire Strikes Back. I think that's four. Maybe I didn't hit five yet. I don't know what my other one would be. I don't know. Fargo, maybe. Anyway, but like I love weird, syncopatic storytelling, but this is not 
it's fairly straightforward. There's not a lot. Of, there's no like nonlinear storytelling. It's all directly in a row. It's fairly tightly paced. It's it's um, well constructed. Every, all of the characters have like a perfect way that they fit into the narrative structure. And you're right. It is that first crushing blow in childhood where you learn the good guys don't have to win every time. There are stories where the good guys lose because guess what? Sometimes that's the way it is in life. Like that's the other thing is that's that moment for most of us. The Empire Strikes Back was that moment for most of us where we realized, wait a minute, <laughs> like we we could get our hand chopped off hmm. and learn that we're the son of the bad guy or whatever, you know, like like <laughs> and be on the run from from the wicked empire that's in charge of everything. It was just such a wonderful moment, and there are so many mirrors to it in the Last Jedi. That And then the other thing that I loved about The Last Jedi, the reason why it rose all the way to number two, is my favorite part of Return of the Jedi, the, um, you know, the, the scene in the bridge between Palpatine and Vader and uh, uh, Luke is mirrored with Kylo and Rey and Snoke. And I think it is maybe an even better scene in the end than the original from Return of the Jedi. And so when you take mostly the it's a mirror of empire strikes back but you take the single best thing out of return of the jedi and you throw it in too boy that immediately puts you at number two in my opinion so i love the last jedi um i have a new hope after that and then rise of skywalker comes in at number four for me um the force awakens is right after that i don't love it but i agree with you in that it does it takes so much of the original trilogy and the prequels and distills them down it uses modern storytelling techniques and modern movie making techniques to make like the best final draft of a new hope basically <laughs> and, and when you're working in a series that is all about rhyming and mimicking and echoing itself, like that is the nature of this story that, that Lucas set up that works. It's fine to do that. In fact, it makes sense to do that generationally speaking and, and it works pretty well. So it's right in the middle for me. Then you got return of the Jedi. And again, it would be lower. It would fall below uh, Revenge of the Sith, except for that masterful final scene with Palpatine and Vader. I just watched it again, and Palpatine and Vader and Luke, everything that you love about Star Wars is there. We talk about like George Lucas's clunky dialogue, but those three actors figured out how to make it work in that scene in particular. And the body language, David Prowse, we don't talk about him ever in, in the costume as Vader, but he does so well in that final scene playing Vader's hesitancy and his growing unease with what's happening to his son and his final decision to lose his own life to sacrifice and save Luke. Like it's a, that's really, really good. So the return of the Jedi rises above the prequels, but then in a row, I've got three, two, one. I think revenge of the Sith is the best of the prequels. It, it again brings back so many of those motifs from the original trilogy and it, and it, rhymes and joins up in a lot of ways with it. I don't love the way that it ends. I hate the no, you know, the screaming no after Padme mm. dies. But that final moment on the bridge where you see Palpatine and Vader looking at the Death Star and Tarkin standing beside him and then turns and walks away, like that's a really powerful moment. And again, that's a movie that ends in defeat 
as the Empire is solidified and the Jedi are killed and on the run, but then you have a glimmer of hope, just like Empire Strikes Back. And so it makes sense that I would like that best of those. Attack of the Clones has some of the best action and some of the worst action mm. in the entire series, both. Um, there are so many good things in that movie and then so many bad things in that movie. And it's like we needed seven seasons of the Clone Wars just to wash the bad tastes out of our mouth and like distill the good stuff into workable territory. Um, but if when you need seven seasons of a cartoon series to make your movie make sense, you have not made a very good movie. Uh, so, so boo on you, George, for that one. And then finally, I put The Phantom Menace at the bottom. Because of that mixed relationship, just like you talked about, it's like it doesn't know what it wants to be. George wanted to tell a story that was very adult and about the fall of democracy. But he thought that his franchise was only for children. And so he made a, a children's movie about galactic... <laughs> democracy failing and right. it doesn't work it just doesn't work um and he and he's course corrected in many ways with episode two and three and i think they are a little better but they're not great tell me where you slot in rogue one and solo i know they don't exactly count but where would you stick them what movies would you put them ahead of uh i put them i put them ahead of new hope so they would be four and five for me if i were to go one two three four five uh i would put them uh right below Revenge of the Sith, which is number three for me, and right above A New Hope, which is number four for me. I put and them you go both, Rogue One first. Rogue One first, and then Solo. Yeah. Um, and, and I could be sort of convinced New Hope over Solo, but I mean, it's I mean, we're picking nits. So but. Solo came out in such a weird. First of all, like Rogue One, like uh, uh, Rise of the Skywalker, there was lots of behind the scenes issues. It basically had to be remade at the last minute by a different director and, and pieced together from, from new footage and old footage. And so it is just a, like a wonder of modern technology and storytelling that it's a film that holds up at all. No. Um, but I got to tell you, that one grows on me every time I watch it. It's yeah. a really good film. I've got Rogue One at number three, in my opinion. I go Empire Strikes Back, Last Jedi, Rogue One, then A New Hope. Then I've got Rise of Skywalker, Force Awakens, and then Solo. I don't think Solo did as well at combining the new with the nostalgia as Force Awakens does. Um, Force Awakens is like that distilled. I don't think it even does as well a job as Rogue One does. Rogue One, if you watch it and then immediately watch A New Hope, you talked about A New Hope feeling like an outdated sci-fi movie. And especially in the beginning, it's so slow. It's so slow paced. The first 30 minutes feel like they're two hours long uh, for a modern moviegoer. But other than that, the set decoration, the props, the way that everything is built is so directly mimicked in Rogue One. Even the costuming to me, I watched those two movies together and it is hard for me to imagine that they were made, you know, 40 years apart. Hmm. Um, they very much feel like a piece. And honestly, anytime I watch A New Hope, I will watch a Rogue One first. I watch a Rogue One now and then I go straight into A New Hope when I watch them. I, I don't watch A New Hope now without getting that glimpse of Carrie saying, what did, what did they bring us, princess? They brought us hope. Man, mm. I know a lot of people don't like the CGI, and I didn't love it. It wasn't it's not perfect. Great. It, yeah. It's got holes. But that line, adding that line to this entire thing, especially knowing that Carrie had just passed when that film was made, boy, it is a really special moment now for me. And, and I hold that film in great esteem. Um, Solo, I'm hopeful that with the Disney Plus stuff, 
we might get a further extension of the of the solo character and mm. or maybe some of their side characters at least if they don't want to bring Han Han back specifically, you know all of the stuff that they set up with uh Crimson Dawn and the um you know the warring uh uh smugglers groups and things like that all of the the crime syndicates I think that is really cool stuff it's fertile soil to be mined there's a long period of time in there where we haven't seen the adventures of Darth Maul who was hinted at at the end of that movie mm-hmm. um I would not mind at all seeing a series that features, you know, Ray Park as Darth Maul and uh, uh, what's her Amelia Clark from um, Game of Thrones, you know, being bad guys in the in the uh, Star Wars universe. I think, and maybe you get a cameo or two from Luke from Han along the way. You know, he doesn't have to be there the whole time. Um, I understand why people didn't like the replacement of Harrison Ford. Like nobody's ever going to live up to that, you know. But but like that's a cool character what do you want to you just want to never hear another han solo story i'd like to hear some of his other stories you know i'd like to see them um so i don't mind i hope there's more of him too yeah anyway that's our listings i want to see um, han and lando that's... together right you want yeah, to see that buddy even if you don't even if you don't show me han even if you don't show me han again you damn well better show me lando again that michael b uh not michael b jordan uh uh donald glover as um, as Lando was perfect. He was so, so good. There is a great novel, actually. Uh, is it Blood Ties? Something like that? Might be. That is That focuses on Lando, and it's bookended by old Lando, but mostly is a story about young Lando and Han. Make that movie! Quick though, Billy D ain't getting any younger, right? But like, <laughs> let's, let's, tell, let's have Billy D telling Jana a story that connects to them finding her homeworld while we see, you know, a young adventure, a young Lando adventure too. in the, in flashbacks or something, I think that'd be a great movie. That would be phenomenal. Right. And you don't, they don't have to all be trilogies, Bob. Do you know that Bob Iger, Kathleen? (laughs) I know you guys have hinted at it, but they don't, we don't care. We'll take individual movies. Some of the series in the Marvel cinematic universe get three films. Some of them don't listen. The, the, we we didn't dislike solo so much because of the movie that because it was a standalone movie i think the backlash to solo was just the over inundation of star wars we had at that point right it was every 6 Two months within 6 months yeah it was just like every 6 months we were getting a star wars flick and it was just like whoa this is too much and then whatever you let ryan johnson do totally ruined everybody it put a bad taste in the in in the force and, and and quite honestly for those that it didn't put a bad taste in their mouth it was just sort of as soon as that split occurred and it's such a shame and it's another thing that dan on coffee with kenobi talks about is forget about forget about what you hate about the story remember about what brought us all together in the first place remember what it is that you enjoy so much about the story and i and i guess even though when i do that and i and i get into like ah oh, the last jedi just uh it's on disney plus so i'm gonna watch it again i have a, I have a strong feeling i'm still gonna have the same feeling about it but i don't know there, there's just there's lots of little things about last jedi and about the rise of skywalker honestly that still get me but in any case uh joel we're at over an hour and a half 
Uh, I am yeah, reminded we're, we're approaching the length of an actual Star Wars film, so I am reminded that when I did a recap of The Force Awakens uh, way back in the day on a podcast called This Week in Podcasting, I was joined by a film gentleman who is uh, uh, he's involved with the um, Fantasy Movie League, uh, mm-hmm. which you may have seen my former coworker Matthew Barry. He's one of the co-founders of it. You can play every week. You can. You fill out your movie screens, whatever. Uh, he's he was in, he's involved with that and uh, pro wrestler Eric Young. Uh, we did something like a two and a half hour recap of The Force Awakened, so we're 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 getting close to that point. And and we didn't go through all these other things that we've been talking about. We only did The Force Awakens. Yeah, um, we I mean, we've we've obviously we we've got uh innumerable points that we could make uh on it individually if you've seen the films if you're a big fan like us and and you want to engage any one of us individually or or corporately on this subject please hit us on social we'll be glad to talk uh star wars generally or rise of skywalker specifically we'll talk Um, star wars all day but but overall i think this is a moment kind of like you know it's like it, it is like star wars is becoming closer to the James Bond series than what it's ever been in the past. Mm. The beauty of the James Bond franchise, Jay, is that no matter what you think about any particular movie, you know there's another one coming. So like, okay, Spectre came out, and I didn't like Spectre nearly as much as I like Skyfall. I like Skyfall way more than I like Quantum of Solace, but I like Quantum of Solace not nearly as much as I like Casino Royale. I'm not a big uh, uh more fan i love sean connery i kind of like timothy dalton but i really love pierce brosnan even though i kind of hate his movies there are pieces about the whole series that i pick and choose and and i have my things that i like and my things that i don't like but i'm going to show up to the next one and give them my 15 bucks or whatever it is now <laughs> and uh and then I'm going to come out and I'm going to talk to my buddies that I know that like James Bond about the things that I liked and the things that I didn't like and how I hope they'll do differently or the same in the next one. I got to Because I know you. there's a next one coming. It's That's be- what Star Wars is now, too. You and I don't have to fight over no. The Last Jedi because there is no one more single track. Right. That's the beauty of it. There's going to be lots of Star Wars, Star Wars for everybody. That said... I, if Ryan Johnson is still connected to a trilogy, I don't know if I will go. I don't know if I'll shell out my money for that. I'll just wait till it comes on Disney Plus. <laughs> so eventually, you get my money anyway. But yeah, I. Um, the other thing, uh, two more things that I have for you here. One uh, is we've learned that uh, a long fall does not necessarily mean you're dead in the Star Wars universe. Uh, Darth Maul uh, survived his long fall. The Emperor somehow survived his long fall into the core of the Death Star. Uh, so you can you can survive long falls. Where's Mace Windu? Uh, where where is uh, Captain Phasma? Uh, where where is Boba Fett? These are characters that have all gone on long falls uh, that should somehow still be alive. So speaking of comic books that you and I aren't reading, but this is one that I saw a YouTube recap of. There is a currently ongoing Kylo, it's called The Rise of Kylo Ren. That's the new series that they just started. And I think it's also being written by Charles Charles Soule, who wrote the Darth Vader series that I mentioned earlier. And in the first issue, there is a, a scene, a page of Snoke and Ren training. And Snoke literally has a line to him 
where he he like throws him off a cliff with the force or something, and then he catches him after Kylo can't stop himself. Uh, but Snoke says to him, "I can't have my apprentice defeated by a fall." <laughs> so it literally sets up the fact that Kylo has been trained to survive a, a steep fall. Also, a reference oh. to the fact that Snoke goes, "Hey, the Emperor got killed one time because it got dropped down a well shaft, so it's not going to happen again." Well, and and. Ben goes for a long fall in the Rise of Skywalker and, he does. and comes and back up survives. and survives. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. So there's a long history of people taking long falls. The other thing is you you've brought up Bond now a couple of times. Uh, worst movie franchise, uh, Die Hard. I mean, the the original Die Hard was great, but every movie thereafter was trash. I will fight you over Die Hard with a Vengeance. Die Hard with a Vengeance is a beautiful, beautiful coda to. So what I do is I go Die Hard one, Die Hard three, just like I go, I go Rocky, Rocky Balboa, and I skip everything in between. Mm. I just assume that he he beat um uh, uh club not Clubber Lang. I assume that he beat <laughs> Apollo Creed at some point, and then they became okay. friends. Yeah. But I don't need to see that. I go okay. straight to the uh, Rocky, Rocky Balboa. Mm. Then you can watch the Creed movies; those are fine. Mm. Uh, but you do the same thing with the Die Hard series. You go one, three, and the rest don't exist. <laughs> By the way, you also earlier gave me a new way. Cause I just saw this. I'm, I'm looking at some things that are com- popping up on my computer messages. And uh, you gave me a new way to say son of a, a of a witch, uh, son of a bad guy. I know. I don't know why. <laughs> son I'm, of a bad guy. don't know why I've never heard that before. But as soon as you said that in regards to the revelation that Luke is son of a bad guy in empire strikes back (laughs) i will from now on just swear at people and call them son of a bad guy it's just it's so perfect i like that i like that too actually son of son of a bad guy i uh i always say um son of a motherless goat that's that's the that's the curse that i use in front of my children my stub my toe or something i'm oh you son of a motherless goat (laughs) son of a bad guy it's got. It's got to say it enough to so it becomes habit. <laughs> Son of a bad guy. All right, Jay. Uh, we didn't not mention that we've our given sponsor. Indication. Did, were we supposed to mention our sponsor? By the way. Oh, you know what? We were actually, and here I will now. Uh, thank you so much for indulging us. This is the final sponsorship of of this batch, anyway. Uh, brought to you by the Sleep with Me podcast uh, and Andrew Ackerman. Uh, Andrew though doesn't want me to talk to you about uh, his show or himself. He wants me to talk to you about Pogs and Jay. You probably I didn't want us talking about Star Wars. Only <laughs> this is not from my. Yeah, he probably didn't. You're right. This is not my. This is not from my collection. I have to admit, I got this one on the internet, uh, but I, because I wanted specifically today to find some Star Wars pogs, I don't own any, but this one was the coolest one that I found. Very mm. cool image. And at, w- the other thing that I like, and I wish I had the whole sheet here or an image of the whole sheet. This is clearly like, uh, and it, this happened a lot. I have a couple of these myself. A full sheet of pogs that would be printed out. You'd have larger images, and then the individual pogs themselves could be popped out of the page to play with if you wanted to or you could keep the whole sheet just for you know collection um and this was a sheet of star wars pogs the one that is highlighted here is a darth vader but like that's a great pose from vader and also we've been talking about the comics i'm pretty sure that is art from the marvel comics yeah it's either marvel or dark horse um I yeah, you're right. It could have been the Dark Horse comic. Can't, you're right. Can't, Good call. can't tell. Can't tell by the. I can't tell who the artist is. Usually, because I did read a lot of comics, I can usually look at the artwork and go, "Oh, I, I recognize that artist," but I don't. Um, yeah, but that is the old. Case. That's the old comic style of Darth. Yeah, and uh, 
the the half made Death Star in the background. It's it is almost a shame that the Pog cuts off half of the half made Death Star, which is I know, really right? You don't want to pop it out of the sheet. L- listen, the few that I have ever bought that were in full sheets like this, I only bought like two or three sheets in my entire history of Pog collecting. But the two or three that I bought, I kept them all in the full sheets. I never popped them out. Because of that, you were losing image, and it was like, well, what do I want to do? I don't know. I'm, I'll just collect these. I'll just collect these. Anyway, what what was Pogs? There's a link in the show notes. You can go uh, check out the whole history of Pogs, but it was Milk Caps. This Milk Cap game started in Hawaii, spread to California, and then across the whole country during the 80s and 90s. I was way into it. And since today we were talking about Star Wars, I wanted to highlight a really cool Star Wars Pog. This was absolutely the coolest one that I could find. Thanks to uh, Andrew Ackerman for sponsoring our show and for um, indulging me in particular in my my pog fandom over the last few weeks jay we haven't given them any reason to think that we are experts in podcasting uh this week but (laughs) no if someone is in particular a sports podcaster and they're looking for some help or maybe some uh, guidance mentorship maybe a a helping hand in as far as like network affiliation Mm. who should they talk to jay they should talk to this guy i know his name is pod vader oh that's me uh, Pod Vader at LockedOnSports.com, especially if you're a college sports podcaster. We are looking for for you. That We do have some MLB openings. Uh, we do perhaps have a couple of NFL openings. Um, but really, college sports is what we're very much focused on right now. We have a lot of openings for college sports teams looking for podcasts. If you would like to talk to me about that, uh, I'm more than willing to talk to you. Although I got to tell you right now, Joel, my record has been stellar. Uh, I think, uh, uh, no, uh, yeah, a bunch of people that I've talked to that were interested started and then they stopped. I don't know why. It's very curious. But uh, in any case, please come talk to me, especially if you're serious about it and you really want to make the commitment. Uh, Just uh, next time I talk to you, I want to really highlight the commitment factor in regards to doing this podcasting thing. All right. All right. Great. Thanks. Uh, it is. It is a commitment. However, if you're thinking that for your business or brand, you need some help making that commitment to keep podcasting, you should talk to me, Joel, at mm. propodcastingservices.com or propodcastingservices.com, the website. You can find all of the info there and uh, check out some of my current clients, some of my previous work, and, and how to get in touch with me as well as my rates, etc. It's all happening there. Um, Jay, that's it. I had a really good time talking about Star Wars. I Yay! Did. Yeah. And there's more to come. There's more to come. And, and, and Clone Wars, there's a new season of the Clone Wars coming in like yeah. March, right? Yeah, I wonder how much. So there were unreleased episodes that ultimately were released like on demand. And I wonder if those are going to be remade, if those are canon, or or if these if this new season is going to sort of intertwine those particular episodes cuz those particular episodes specifically address order uh 66 and um and Anakin turning into Darth Vader. Yeah. Well, and in and there's some more Force Ghost stuff in there too. And I think yes. in the last couple of episodes there's some stuff with with uh um Qui-Gon Jinn and and Yoda. Yes. Um and and learning how to become a Force Ghost. Anyway, I hope that it's kind of a combination. I hope we're getting some actual new storylines. I also hope, though, that we get those episodes truly finished, um, which they weren't in the the way that they were presented on Netflix when we we finally got to see them. It was sort of like 
wireframes and some dialogue kind of thing, I think, as I recall. And, and it's been a while since I've actually looked at no, it. No, they were actual were, episodes. Were they finished? Were they yeah, all they finished? Yeah, they were actual okay, finished so episodes. My guess is then we'll get all of those finished episodes and we're actually getting new content as well then. Because they've, they've made it clear this is a new season, not just the unfinished stuff. Mm. So I was, I was thinking maybe they were going to replace those episodes. But I doubt that'll be the case. We'll just get those finally. Um, well, actually... I should go look. I bet they're. I bet those episodes are streaming now on Netflix. Don't you think? I mean, they on should Disney be. Plus, they should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, new Star Wars forever and ever and ever. Amen. Until our next episode, when we're talking about podcasting. Seriously, just podcasting next time. Uh, I've been Joel. I'm Jay, and I am Pod Vader. <laughs> and we are always listening. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Rayburn. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.